0: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History
1: I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench.
0: Hello, welcome back to Fighting on Film. Now, this week, we tackle a film that is in its 20th year anniversary. It is 2002's Talkers. But before we move on to talking about Nicolas Cage and Co., we have some foth news to keep you aware of. So Pork Chop Hill has won the Patreon pick for September. Resoundingly. 86% of
1: the vote, Matt. It's crazy. Yeah, that's that's our biggest margin ever, I think.
0: And it was, I think it's our quickest vote as well. Gregory Peck fighting in the Korean War. That'd be a good one. I think that might be coming next week. Um, so stay tuned for that. And then another little bit of news. I've just had the confirmation today, actually. Uh, we have Peter Caddick Adams coming back on the show
1: to talk about Bridget Remargan absolutely fabulous news can't wait for that one we were talking to him about that one at um we have waste fest yeah over, we were. over the summer and um he's very excited to come on and chat about that one so yeah, it's gonna it be is. a great show
0: yeah, it'd be great Um so we we're really looking forward to that one as well and yeah that one should be with you in early october so anyway wind talkers this week i'm on production so it's an mgm studios production and it's distributed by Paramount. Now, it's directed by John Wu, and he was known for these really highly stylized Hong Kong action films in the 80s. Um, and then in 1992, he did uh, Hard Boiled with Chow Yun-Fat, and that was his swan song sort of film in the Hong Kong action genre. And he moved to Hollywood face-off in 96, Mission Impossible 2 in 2000. And Broken Arrow. Don't forget Broken Arrow. Of course, yes, Broken Arrow. Yeah, yeah. And then... He does uh, Talkers in 2002. And the movie is filmed in 2000. It was originally slated for a November 2001 release, but it's pushed back by the studio in the wake of 9-11. They were worried that if anything else would happen, then it would take away from the uh, box office gross for the film. The advertising campaign would be all for nothing. So it was pushed back uh, to the 14th of June 2002. And in the UK, it comes out. On the 30th of august but i've just got a little brief um quote from john woo so he writes in a preface uh, for a making of book wind talkers the making of the film about the navajo code talkers of world war ii he says when i first heard the brief pitch for wind talkers i knew that it was a film i had to make here was a tale of personal honor with navajo men committing themselves to a top-secret program that only they can fulfill with marines forced to follow orders to protect top secret codes at all cost, even if it means taking the life of a fellow Marine. And he follows that up later in the passage by saying, I also hope that it reveals the honour such as shown by the Navajo code talkers and everyone else who has served to protect their country is one bright shining thing that can come out of something as brutal and terrible as war. So that's at the time. A lot of delusions of grandeur is going to make this big epic that's also going to tackle men at war, the Navajo, all these things, all these themes. Yeah, yeah, But then in 2009, he talks to Entertainment Weekly and he goes back on some of those things that he said. And he actually is a little bit scathing. So he says, the studio wanted to make a John Wayne movie, just a typical American hero film with explosions every few minutes. I had to make them understand that this wasn't a story about heroes. It's a story about a man and his own demons trying to redeem himself from war. I made the movie that way, but some people in the studio didn't appreciate it. And in the end, I guess neither did our audience.
1: So I read that it was also re-edited.
0: Yeah, I heard that as well. It was
1: more in in line with what the studio was hoping for, as mm. opposed to what um, we were originally intended. It was yeah. more of a melodramatic, or dramatic rather, piece. Um,
0: it's hard to get to the, I, the bottom of all
1: that, the studio I, I, The like way times. that this film comes off, I don't see how you could meld those grandiose action sequences no. with a more dramatic picture
0: mm. my thing is with, i don't with think that it adds up it's no it doesn't add up to me because you've already what you've got there is john woo's base there yep. are no deleted scenes that i could find that add anything more to the navajo um contribution or anything else like that it's all no. very generic sort of surface level stuff we'll get back on to that anyway we digress so it was filmed on location in hawaii at a Kiloa Ranch, uh, the same ranch that was used as, as Jurassic Park, actually. And uh, extras <laughs> were sourced from, yeah, Schofield Army Barracks, Air Base and Pearl Harbor Naval Base. And according to the book, uh, the, the making of book, as many as 700 extras were on set at any one time, approximately 500 Marines and 250 Japanese soldiers, all of whom were hired locally. With these numbers added to the production crew of approximately 350 Windtalkers became its own battalion with a lunch tent that could cater a thousand people at any one given time. So it's a huge production. So this is huge filmmaking. Gigantic. Yeah. What was the budget for it? The budget was 115 million and it made 77 million. OK, right. Yeah. So it was a mm. big flop for MGM at the time. And considering that they'd had to push other movies back because of 9-11 in the wake of that, not a big hit for them at all. Talking about the grandiose way the film was made, there's a big boot camp in August 2000. So after Saving Private Ryan, it becomes really nouveau riche to get these boot camps before movies. And there's a really good little documentary about the boot camp on the collector's DVD. You've got like Mark Ruffalo eating... MREs being like, oh, you know, we were told we've been told by the Marines if you get the biscuits and crush them up in the apple syrup, it makes cobbler. You know, he's got all these little sort of USMC tidbits going on. It's quite funny. Mm-hmm. So that's really good. And there's a guy called uh James D. Denver, who's ex-US Marine uh, sergeant, and he set up One Force Inc., which are a, a military uh, technical advisor um, team company that have worked right. on We Were Soldiers, Flags of Our Fathers, and more recently the upcoming korean war devotion film so oh, okay. the military advisors in this are top notch you know all the guys are, are taught by us marines in terms of production cast it's written by joe batir and john rice uh, wind talkers is probably their biggest credit they've had some tv work recently um, but they seem to have fallen into obscurity a little bit they didn't follow up wind talkers with any more major hits um, or major right. films for big studios so i'm not sure if this hindered their career i don't want to speak for them um, but i couldn't really <laughs> find much about them uh, Jeffrey L. Kimball was a director of photography. He'd worked with Wu for his two pictures previous to Windtalkers, so that was uh, The Hire and Mission Impossible 2, but he'd also worked on Top Gun and True Romance in the 80s and 90s, so he was no stranger to big budget flicks, mm. and still isn't. He, he's still very active. Oh, I couldn't get away without mentioning this. So Nick Cage reportedly learned fluent Navajo um, during the making of the movie, or pre-making the movie and he said he doesn't he'd play done Navajo it- though yeah he doesn't play a Navajo for a start but he said that he'd done it to better understand the script um and but John Woo said that he misunderstood his role which I always find quite funny <laughs> I, I mean I it's don't to
1: believe that I, I mean I no. know Nick, Nick Cage is pre-eccentric but Barry. is he eccentric enough to to completely miss that he's not playing the Navajo Code Talker yeah I don't know so he's on, not a he? stupid man by any means, mm. especially if he can learn fluent Navajo.
0: You know, if, um, if the script had said that Cage had a bit of Navajo in him or something, maybe, but they never allude mm. to that in the movie. And there's no, as yeah, I said
1: no, they, they don't. He's a he's a Italian uh, great yeah, he's a straight
0: Marine war machine, isn't he? Um, but yeah. anyway, so I've had to pull from two reviews this week because when this movie came out. It was panned. <laughs> so firstly, we have no. Peter. No, I know. Shock horror, right? Wait till I get to the one word reviews. <laughs> um, so Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian, uh, from the from the day of release in 2002, he says, uh, a disappointing feature from John Rue. He takes the intriguing Second World War history of the US Navajo servicemen, whose language was used as an unbreakable military code and turns it into a merely competent action war ethic boasting neither Woo's trademark balletic violence set pieces nor any convincing insight into the tensions between the Native Americans and the Anglo-Saxon commanders. There is much touchy-feely PC New Age respect due to the Navajo, though, but the Japanese enemy are apparently just slant-eyed filth right for
1: getting shot to hell. Yeah. Yeah. I can see, I can see where he's coming from there.
0: Yep. Uh, And then I had to grab another review, and I think this sums it up even more. And this is from legendary uh, film critic Roger Ebert and from the same time in 2002. He said, there is a way to make a good movie like Windtalkers, and that's to go the indie route, a low-budget Sundance-style picture that would focus on the Navajo characters, their personalities and issues. The moment you decide to make Windtalkers a big-budget action movie with a major star and lots of explosions, flying bodies and stuntmen, you give up any possibility that it can succeed on a human scale. The Navajo code talkers have waited a long time to have their story told. Too bad it appears here, merely as a
1: gimmick in an action picture. We, I, we said this the other day when, when Rob was watching it. It's an action movie set during the war. It's not really a war movie. Yeah, um, at I times. think I've
0: got that words to that effect in my notes. It doesn't hit the heights that it thinks it can. And it definitely doesn't hit the heights that John Woo thought it hit at the time because whether they're saving face in all the promotional material i could find all the news reviews the it's you know the press junket reviews that they get it's all oh we're telling navajo story i learned about the navajo this story needed to be told and i'm like they're barely in your movie mate
1: well my main problem is like the the scenes where the navajo um code talkers are being introduced and they're at the uh, u.s marine corps training base etc mm. and it appears that they're like a the second class because at this point the u.s marine corps already decided that they want to be using navajo yeah uh, as as co-talkers and radio ops etc mm. it's it's shown as very much been set up there's no introduction of how they came to this idea no. who was responsible and how the idea evolved because at this point navajo wasn't a written language so they no. had to spell everything out phonetically in english so English speakers could understand what was going on. Then they had to assign meaningful words to whatever equipment mm. and positions Hence and places. Like were a on tank is a tortoise. You know tortoise, tortoise. That sort yeah, exactly. And the film does a good job of introducing that aspect of it, where it it shows them in a, in a lecture and the... micro time on it though. Oh yeah, yeah. This is a two hour twenty film, and we get all of maybe six minutes worth of the co-talkers being trained so we can sit through like 300 like slow-mo explosions Nicolas yeah. Cage slow-mo taking a shot of Bacardi Nicholas yes. Cage slow-mo looking at some birds flying by not even not, that's not even made up yeah, he, yeah there's literally a scene where no, he's yeah, looking at some birds flying in slow-mo and you're like what the fuck is this why we sat watching Nicolas Cage watch some birds fly mm-hmm. anyway of that and we get six minutes of code talkers. Um and they do they introduce it as the concept of, what would you call this tank and and Ben uh, who we will get to cast in a moment. I'm just really we've not even done the one where reviews Matt's off. No, I know. So you know Ben Yazi says oh it's a tortoise and they go yeah that's right and they flick up the thing and it's so it's all showing that this has mm. all been pre-set up. Yeah this group of Navajo code talkers have no input whatsoever on the actual code. And how it's going to be used and how it's developed. Mm. So immediately Woo sidesteps that entire aspect yeah. of the story. Yeah. So there's no need to set up the fact that these guys are Navajo, their language has never been written, mm. and that they've had to develop this with the US Marine Corps from
0: scratch. So if you're not very um with them, if you're not very clued up on the Navajo, you're not you you're gonna to have to guess until they spell it out for you. That's the problem I have with it. Um, because there's a as yet again this is what really annoys me the the collector's dvd of it has some really good special features talking about the navajo there's two feature-length documentaries on there like 40 minutes each i think that go on about how the navajo were integrated all that sort of thing telling them about in 1940 they released a statement saying that they would aid the the american government if war happened there's all this really interesting stuff but it's in the special features of a dvd that not everyone owns not everyone has the steel book of wind talkers
1: on their shelf to be able to go and learn more yeah not a lot of people probably do you're in the minority there up but that is Don't true i watched it you... no i'm going out you deserve this so <laughs> so there's there's loads of really interesting stuff on youtube there's talks by um surviving members of the co-talkers there's loads there's a couple of really interesting documentaries that talk about how when war was declared a lot of Navajo men, being warriors, stepped up to the plate. You know that warrior tradition of, of mm. their um, their tribes. They stepped stepped up, and old men were trying to enlist, and all sorts of you know, they overcame, you know, the the terrible background of the subjugation of the, the uh, Native American tribes, and 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 their aversion to the U.S. government. Pre in a pre um, desegregation U.S. Army as well yeah exactly exactly and it, it's an incredible story it really is and john woo has basically shit his pants all over it because it's terrible yeah and the writers haven't
0: put in enough about them either. no
1: no because you know, we're, we're gonna all get back to this in in we get 20 words, minutes of nicholas cage sat in a wheelchair looking sad okay right. yes
0: so i what i think we should do now put a pin in it because we can come okay. back to this okay. at the end.
1: One anyway, word reviews go. I'm just going to shut up. No, no, show. no,
0: cool. it's fine. I think we're both going to be very impassionate about this at the end as well. Um, okay. I think because we think we're on the same page. So one word reviews. So what did you guys think? And we always love getting your one word reviews in. Resounding this week. We had some good ones and they're all on the same level, I think. So Kevin gets, he starts us off with tastic. Mm-hmm. David Current um, commented underneath and said, shite. <laughs> 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 yep. Uh, Dr Grant Howard He put uh, the Nicholas Cage meme Of him saying woo And then we had a couple of people just saying woo Sari Thomas said cack uh, mm-hmm. Tall bloke went with Hawaiian The Unconventional Soldier podcast Now I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation But he said Sit lil Z, Sit z Sit Z Sit To which I put a question mark And he put That is terrible in Navajo There we go So I think that is the best
1: one-word review of all (laughs) this week. I mean, there were a couple of people that said it was all right, and and childhood Matt would have agreed with that. Totally, childhood Robbie would have agreed. Um, We'll talk more about that later. But But we were explosion drunk. That's what I think we were. Mm. Unrefined palates is, I believe, really did. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, Um, like
0: a fine wine, Matt. (laughs) Uh, But I think apart from that. That is production for you. It's this big, massive studio picture with a lot of effort put into everything by the plot.
1: And on that note, here's the cast.
0: So of course, <laughs> God, it's, yes. led,
1: it's led by Oscar winner Nicolas Cage, who you'll know from dozens of films, but will you stick to his war movies, which of course include Captain Corelli's Mandolin in 2001, Lord of War in 2005. Technically not a war movie, but I thought I'd include that. I enjoy that one. And of course. good. 2016's uss indianapolis men of courage which i haven't seen and i i kind of get the vibe it's one of those dvd straight to um nick trying to pay his tax bill can't turn down any work mate yes that will be it adam beach is uh plays ben yazi who is um the co-talker who is assigned to nicholas cage's character sergeant joe enders um and enders has to protect him and not let the japanese capture him alive basically yep. um uh he went on to be in Flags of Our Fathers as Ira Hayes um in 2006 notable role he was in a, a canadian uh, drama series about afghanistan called Combat Hospital in 2011 Ooh. that only ran for a series and most recently he's been in the really good film Hostiles with uh, Christian Bale uh, in 2017 yeah um beach himself is a canadian he's a member of the first nation which is um, how uh, canada refers to its indigenous population thankfully they didn't put someone who was completely unsuited that
0: is one of the things the movie's got going for it
1: is that it mm. has representation thank god where it actually needs it and to that end we've got uh, roger willie as well who plays uh, private charlie whitehorse who i think is phenomenal in this film i think he's one of the best things in it he's doing um, a lot more than that script gave him chance to do i agree and apparently he was originally hired as a dialect coach for the yes. Navajo. Um, and he he had such a good screen test with uh christian slater that um they they cast him because Mm -hmm. he he just he just came off as very genuine and 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 realistic um hasn't had a great granny uh roles before or since um but he stands out in this one that's for sure and it's not a bad cast i mean we got we got a number of other actors which i'll get to in a second but Nicolas Cage this is his peak it's Face Off it's The Rock he goes on to do the uh, Ghost Rider
0: series after this he's in a remake of Bad Lieutenant I think yeah. from like special treasure films yeah that's late kind of like 90s to cool. about 2008 is his probably career high. yeah I think that's probably true now and he's just a cult hero isn't he he's cult figure yeah they even made that movie about him being a cult hero It's he's had a very odd career of late that's for sure um, the thing is about him he's very watchable Mm. because he's in cage. I wouldn't say necessarily he's the right person for this, but he gives it it his all and you can't
1: deny that. He gives it full cage, that's for sure.
0: But whether it was right for this. mm, Yeah, whether it
1: needed full cage.
0: But I think it's John Woo just picking someone that he can work with because I know they got on quite well.
1: Um, Well, uh, to that end, we know he's worked with Cage, but he's also worked with Christian Slater, who plays uh, Sergeant Ox Henderson. Yeah. Who was assigned to be the the, the minder of uh, Charlie Whitehorse, mm-hmm. and and uh, Slater has actually been in Broken Arrow, which is the uh, the Wu movie that we mentioned earlier, which is co-stars um, Travolta, Walter, and a nuclear weapon goes missing, and there's a the whole thing, and it's a very '90s action movie. Uh, of course, then he was in Churchill: The Hollywood Years, which is um, a very odd movie. I uh, <laughs> think you pleasure that
0: one. It's not it's not awful. I like what he was trying to do. It's clever. Yeah,
1: it's a, it's it's an unusual one. One of the um, rare postmodern war films. <laughs> okay, that's that's one way of describing it. <laughs> um then we've got Peter Stormare, um, who plays uh Gunnery Sergeant uh Helmsted, who is I think is nicknamed the Viking at one point in the film. Yeah. Um the, Yeah, exactly. Um he was in um Hitler, The Rise of Evil, as Ernst Rom. Was uh, he? Ernst was, yeah. Ernst Rahm was a fat guy, which is a bit okay. odd. I Maybe a bit the bit suit. Maybe. I mean, I've watched that movie. That's right. Robert Carlyle as Hitler. I've that uh, it was one. a TV okay. double. Uh, uh, channel long, four, wasn't, wasn't it? it? I think it was on channel four. Yeah. 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 It wasn't bad. Um, Cause interesting I him in like Fargo. Rise of Hitler. Sort of, of. So yeah.
0: that's what I think of. I think
1: Fargo, I think. Uh, oh, I've Coen yeah. brothers. John Wick. John Wick. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Noah Emmerich, who is a recognisable face, but the only other really military thing he's done is Space Force, that kind of middling uh, oh, Steve okay. Carell show yeah, yeah. about the actual Space Force. Mm-hmm. Um, and he plays a racist um, B.A.R. Yeah. gunner, uh, Chick Huster's... Um, Most cliche we- racist yeah, soldier. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. more about him later. He switches it on and off when it's mm. needed for the script, which mm-hmm. is odd. Yeah, it's really um annoying. Then we got Mark Ruffalo who plays um uh, an Italian um rifleman, uh, Corporal Milo Pappas. This, Such a this bizarre cast thing for me. Yeah, this is his only real war movie, I think. Yeah. I don't he's, think he's Avengers like Infinity indie... War counts. He's like a summer. But he dogs, is in indie... actually. Sorry. He is yeah. in um The Last Castle with Robert Redford and James Gandolfini.
0: Oh, is he? We need to watch that yeah. one. Yeah.
1: You'd like that one. You'd like that okay. one. It's got Gandolfini in it. You yeah. Um, do you love a bit of Sopranos (laughs) yeah exactly Um, that's a good movie and he's not great in that either I don't think um, it's
0: not his it's not his style I don't think because he's more of like when I think of Mark Ruffalo I think obviously I think Hulk you can't get away of that now can you yeah romantic comedies
1: and now Hulk yeah
0: so I think like um, Sunshine of the Eternal Spotless Mind is he he in that? yeah he's I think he plays Jim Carrey's mate in it Oh, okay, but I think like Sundance, Cindy Darling of like that era before he became household name. Yeah, but late nineties. I don't early think 2000s. action
1: star. Yeah, you know. no, he's he's kind of forgettable in this too. And uh, then of course, we've got Francis O'Connor, who is pharmacist's mate, second class Rita. We don't actually find out her second name. No, you don't. Um, and she nurses. She's Nicholas in it for Cames ten for minutes. 20, yeah, for t- like ten, twenty minutes helps him. Th- Sheets through a hearing exam. Um, She writes him cringe letters. She's meant to be his love
0: interest, but we barely see it. There's a scene that's in the trailer where they're talking in a convertible and that doesn't get into the final movie. But that sort of shows their more romantic side. Um, But it's not in the movie. And I don't think it would have helped either way, but it would have given her some more screen time because she's barely in it. It's a bit unfair, really, I always think. It is a bit
1: and then finally, we've got Jacek Isaacs, who has a very short scene where he's a major and he, he provides Cage with a bit of context and background to um, him becoming the minder of, yeah. um, of Ben Yassi. Um And, of course, Isaac's his money. He didn't it his money. Off, did he? No, Isaac's is money. We know this. He right. was in Soldier, the Kurt Russell Mills sci-fi to movie. You've
0: got in Pacific. <laughs> wish he'd have done it in his suit. I love voice. that film. Um,
1: so good. Colonel Tavington in The Patriot, like a year before. Um, yeah. He is personified evil in that role. Um, one of the better things about that film. Uh, Captain Michael Steele in Black Hawk Down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Captain Wagoner in Fury in 2014. Another short scene, but really sells it in Jason that Isaacs, scene. Jason Isaacs is in... Yeah. Yeah he's, he is, yeah, he's the captain who I'd meets them in that. the town and gives them the order to go and, um, I think, uh, rescue yeah, the men that trapped in the yeah. field. So I remember we went to the Fury experience.
0: We were in the hotel where you both looked at, because we were watching Fury, you both looked and went, yeah. fucking Jason Isaacs. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. Uh,
1: then he was in a 2014 US Civil War um, two-parter called Field of Lost Shoes. And then, as Rob alluded to a moment ago, he was Marshal Zhukov in Death of Stalin, a brilliant film. One of his greatest and roles. Then, most recently, he was Admiral Godfrey in Operation Mincemeat, which I watched the other day and was entirely disappointing. And that basically rounds it out for the cast. Yeah. It's it's safe casting, isn't it? Almost. It is. And yeah. there's some weird choices in there. but See, it, it, yeah. The, the problem
0: with the cast I have is that it's fine, but the leads shouldn't be Cage and Slater. It should be Willie and Beach. Yeah. That's the
1: biggest issue I have with the movie. Yeah. No, I agree. It's a it's a film about Navajo code talkers where they aren't the leads. Because
0: Cage and Slater are fine. You know, they're even their characters and their characterization is fine. It mm. just needs less of them. They need to be the base for these two relative newcomer actors at the time to give performances to yeah. perform oh, off yeah. of.
1: Completely agree. And
0: I almost feel like, we'll talk about it later, but I think Slater's character is a better character to pair up with with the Navajo guys, because it showed they cared about them in a way that Cage's character doesn't
1: care. Yes. Nage doesn't, Cage doesn't really carry off the nuance. No. That is needed for the role he's trying to do. He's trying to do torture to a veteran yeah. of the Solomon Islands. It just becomes cringe after a while. Becomes and- <sighs> cliche does isn't yeah it doesn't work
0: whereas slater he's giving a, he's giving a different performance but you see with the the harmonica and the recorder scene at least he's <laughs> trying to break
1: barriers down it might be a bit hamfisted
0: but he's trying worst
1: something harmonica miming i've ever seen it's not great is it no but That's anyway not we, how you play a diatonic <laughs> harmonica no, no but I, yeah ox is a better i think a, a better fit for what they could have, should have gone I enjoy for. Christian Slater more in this than I do Cage.
0: Yeah, on reflection a little bit, but I also enjoy Cage just absolutely hamming it up, action hero style.
1: Yeah, but it's not know. the right
0: film for it's that. It's not the right film for it, no, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah.
1: Okay, let's move on to the Ali Tally. Let's do Ali Tally. It's time for Ali Tally on Fighting on film.
0: So Matt, do you want to kick us off Valley Tally this week?
1: So, weapons probably coordinator... Sorry,
0: before we <laughs> go, go on, on. It's probably going to be the most positive e-
1: bit of this episode, folks. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, weapons coordinator uh, Robert uh, Galotti uh, apparently amassed 500 vintage World War II era weapons, working uh, actual mm. period weapons. Um, and about 700 rubber replica guns as well. And I think that shows. There's a lot in this film that looks good, and yeah. um, and I know there's going to be uniform variations and stuff that's wrong, but it looks pretty good. Um, and there's elements one of the one of the elements of this film that I actually like. It's few. This is one of the few positives I draw from the film. Are some of those aerial tracking shots that pan across the battlefield mm. and show Japanese defensive positions on ridgelines? and shows all the guys in the trenches and they're doing stuff they're
0: turning yeah, they're around picking boxes static, of ammo they? yeah
1: moving around they're all working actions mm-hmm. which is really good to see because with a rubber gun you can't always work an action i don't think like some of them i think they may have there's designed you say to that, do that. But there's
0: one little section where there's one of the one. extras has a bolt action a risca is it a risca rifle Arasaka. Arasaka, sorry. He has an Arasaka rifle and he's doing recoil like it's a musket. It's hilarious. Yeah. He's like throwing it up in the air after every shot. It's great. Oh, um man. so he must have had like a you know, no no blanks given to him. Um but talking of blanks, uh, John Galotti also stated that he thinks about half a million rounds of blank was used during the production, which I think is wow. insane. <laughs> it's absolutely
1: insane. That's that's a huge amount of ammunition by it. Man. it shows i a lot of these guys that they don't understand the concept of recoil i agree so a lot of the m1 garands are being fired like they're double tapping them yeah um yeah. to a disgraceful amount where it's and ruffalo's running around hip firing it it's great oh, the M1 they, they do this thing yeah. they all do this thing where they have like it up on the a side, and they're running, firing the. Page mm, mm, does it with a Tommy no. gun, and it looks okay, yeah. passable. Yeah, but when you're doing it with an M1 Garand, and to a lesser degree, BARS, where mm. you're running around, you can't do that with with full caliber rifles. No, I think what
0: they learned at what they learned at boot camp might have been sort of drilled out of them by Woo, perhaps for the good of for I what he wanted know. to show. Because, you know, the, those USMC guys were really putting it through the paces in that mm. in that documentary I watched. And, I, you know, they wouldn't have let any slack, <laughs> you know, definitely wouldn't have. Um, no. But, no, there's even bits where Adam Beach is firing his M1 carbine at the end, and he's not even got it shouldered. He's just throwing no, it, it out it, front You can him.
1: see it's well out of his, yeah. his shoulder. It, it's, and you know, it's not immersion-breaking, but... Yeah. Recoil with a thirty caliber um, carbine M1 isn't huge no but it's not you you can fire it out the shoulder definitely mm. but it you'd have a little bit more muzzle rise yeah um and it yeah it it's an action film of what course can, what yeah it's say? an action flick Yeah. so to, to talk about some of the weapons i mean let's run through some we've got a very very prominent thompson's in this mm-hmm. um, cage is running a thompson thompson throughout the film it begins with um a 1921 one with the foregrips in the solomon islands and the drum mag yeah yeah he's even is...
0: got a drum mag pouch on the back of his belt in that sequence ah. which is a really nice little inclusion because I like not the camo lot... they've got on yeah i'll talk well. about that in a minute um, i bet you will but not yeah but not many people realize that there was a genuine uh drum mag yeah. pouch which is
1: nice to see really uh-huh. nice inclusion um and i know you'll talk about this more later i like how they moved to the stick mags and the um the straight four end thompson to show delineation of time Mm -hmm. um and it's a different campaign weapons have changed uh i'll let you talk about more that in in, a minute because i know it's one of the things you want to talk about
0: sure
1: we can't not mention atomic grenades
0: oh every grenade in
1: this goes off like it's a napalm (sighs) explosion yeah that throws people a hundred foot in the air it's become really apathetic to it after about three or four it's too much this is is something i was going to talk about towards the end but we might as well touch on it now yeah the explosions are too much there's gratuitous it is it really is slow-mo explosions explosions Mm close-ups where you're literally super zooming into an explosion yeah yeah um it it after the first battle you you're just sat there going oh another one this is Another the, one. War, war is war is very exploding we get it yeah. okay thank you john not every explosive goes off like that john no know. no and <sighs> the thing about the atomic grenades is it's not even it doesn't even do the same explosion type throughout the whole film no yeah. so there's points where they'll throw a grenade and it'll explode in a trench and like four japanese soldiers will fly out yeah in like a, a precision display of gymnastics yeah. against this backdrop of a huge petrol-based explosion. Yes,
0: yeah.
1: Um, which you can tell is petrol-based. It's, yeah. you know... Texaco must then, have loved the production of this. Oh, I know. <laughs> and then you've got scenes where they'll throw a grenade and it'll act like an actual frag. Yes. Where it'll go off. Some dust will fly up. But there's only a couple of times No that real happens. visible explosion. Yeah.
0: There's only a couple um, of times, and, though. It's not many. Yeah. Oh, it's when mm.
1: the plot decrees
0: it. If you know you could play um you could play explosion bingo, is it going to be a more accurate quote unquote explosion or is it going to be a Michael Bay special? Because that's what yeah. the movie boils down to. It just does Michael Bay explosions. Because not even Sabre and Pirate Ryan goes this mad
1: with Pry yeah. It it's
0: like it, it it feels like locked into an era that it didn't come out in. But even then, I don't think it would have done well. Well,
1: age is far worse. Than
0: Twenty years than later, Private
1: Ryan has in terms yeah. of pyro and explosion Massively. techniques. And and I think
0: that's why S.P.R. still holds stage. up. Definitely, mm. it, it, this one I was watching and I was like, I can tell the era this was made in. You, you can feel it. You can, and it, really a lot. You know,
1: and the grading as
0: well. Oh, that oh muddy yeah, walk.
1: absolutely. It, mm. you
0: know, and then mm. over saturation later on. It's like, oh my god! Okay. It'd be
1: interesting to compare this with, like. Um, Ninety-eight, standard line as well actually it would be actually yeah it mm. would be to, to jump off on that the, sure. the, the, it's the same it's the same with the bazooka the m1a1 bazookas which get shown which is a lovely inclusion and um but the, again they're atomic mm-hmm. <laughs> it, yep. it hits it hits i think
0: the a 50s american army would have been clambering for them <laughs> yeah
1: i know it's, a, it's like yeah it's a um, what was it davy jones was it the, the, something like that yeah yeah the battlefield tactical nuke yeah. um but yeah it just they do the same with that and and then there's another bit where they knock out a hargo with two frag grenades i know right <laughs> and, i, yeah, like, I, I thinking, know the japanese tanks were you know sort of drastically not really thought. armoured underarmored well, not, in the japanese army but
0: they weren't that point bad where a
1: couple of m2 frags yeah. would pierce the armor and make it explode and
0: doesn't a guy shoot a flamethrower at one and it burns it up like it's made of cardboard or something he
1: does yes and yeah. then there's also a sequence where they they fire the flamethrower at um it's a portable ma- uh, <clears throat> excuse me it's a portable japanese metal pillbox which were Wait. a real thing okay although this one's a little bit smaller than the real ones sure but there is a sequence where the, Isn't that the flamethrower bit where does is, that as well.
0: Okay, because Cage is clearly in the line of fire of that thing about five times and never gets hit.
1: Everyone's getting flagged in this There's, there's a, a lot of flagging going on. There is, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's the action thing again. It's coming in. You know, you've got yeah. this uh, yet again, I'll bring back to you. Everything I read, everything I watched said Woo's committed to making a really authentic war movie. It's war on the screen. It's the most authentic depiction of war you've ever seen. Yet all of our main characters are wearing um, anti-magnetic bullet shields on them. That bullets need to go around them when it's convenient yeah. to the plot, and then when it's not, yeah. they get absolutely yeah. eviscerated. Yeah. It's like we've had we've seen that so many times.
1: It it, it feels dated in two thousand and two to me. Um, anyway, I will say that they the attention to detail they had with a lot of the weapons was good. Yeah. So the the bit what made me laugh was. The bit where Cage is pretending to be a captured prisoner and Ben is is dressed as a Japanese soldier in a captured mm-hmm. uniform and you lead him towards her. Oh my god, i was going to say um, something about that. Um, well, you can do. Sorry, mate. it always <laughs> gets. To a trench.
0: it always gets me. And
1: I'll explain why in a minute. <laughs> well, is it the fact that he sees the radio by by like he's looking at the trench and <laughs> That's the, not the even camera that. kind of like pil- like tilts <laughs> nice. up And nice and, and you see the radio. radio? Mine's way more minutiae than that. Don't worry. Okay. Well, the camera pans up and then looks at the radio and it's in a spot where Cage would never possibly see that. And he's like, Ben, the radio's over there. And I'm like, no, no.
0: It's like a clickbait YouTube thumbnail with a big red dot over it, like mid-range circle.
1: Cage pulls the, the, the 1911 out the back of Ben's um, pants. Oh, when he shoots someone, he goes, die, die, like an action yeah, film. Yeah, he said, die. Out yeah. loud and oh, it's it's so, so cringe. cringe.
0: It's, it's anyway. He, he fires the
1: he fires the exact right number of rounds for a nineteen eleven, which was good. So so when he ends up in the actual did count uh, as well? dugout, <laughs> did, yeah, yeah. So you I counted as well. So when he ends up in the trench, he he goes to shoot someone and the slide get, goes back and locks. It's good. And yeah,
0: that's one of the stronger parts. But then it's it's preamble to get
1: to that is just so cringeworthy but this is this is a this is where it's so odd that odd attention to detail is so close. and that must tie
0: back into this whole thing of woo wanting to get it right and all that it must and then you've got that. stuff
1: like atomic hand grenades going on yeah. and yeah and just a trade awful infantry tactics going on weird weird where everyone's yeah. just it's it
0: it, fact, it's almost like a 50s film where you get a big line of infantry coming up a hill and you get a big line of enemy infantry and they all slog it out for an hour and a half.
1: That's how it feels. feels like... Well, we know that the fighting in, in you know the Pacific was often there were Japanese bandside charges sure, and, yeah. and, and that kind of thing and that marines were moving in lines, sweeping yeah. areas and such. But that nuance Long is screen. lost... On screen, though, it feels a
0: little bit dated and static. Even though it's yeah. moving, it feels static in places. So, getting getting into what you were saying about the, the accuracy thing there. Mm-hmm. So, I really like the use of the Thompson in the Solomon Islands. I think that's really yes. strong. Um,
1: and I'll be talking more about that in a minute. It allows Nick Cage not to reload for the whole yes, scene. Yes,
0: it does, and that's fine because that's the, one of the points of having a drum mag on, isn't it? Fight for, for longer. Yeah. You don't it's have one to of reload. the few
1: benefits of it, yeah. Of course.
0: But then in that sequence as well, men are armed with M1903 Springfield rifles.
1: Yes, and um, there's one well as,
0: as well. As well as Garand's in that sequence. So it shows in its way the supply issues that the Marine Corps faced during the war at some points. Because, um, you know, they were always, yeah. Yeah. they always felt they were the last to get anything. They could have gone deeper in with it. They could have armed guys with like M1 Johnsons and things like that, but they don't. Um, there's some yeah nice... that would have been
1: confusing for everyone involved Might but have definitely been, but there's some yeah. good
0: photos of navajo guys with m1 johnson submachine guns oh, okay. that i've found okay. online are um, the risings or, or uh, risings sorry risings. risings yeah yeah and that's the one yeah so that that could have had those that would have been a nice thing yeah um yeah. and then talking about the uh, uniforms quickly before we we jump off into favorite scenes i actually thought the uniforms were really nice there's a lot of attention put in there's some clearly made for the film reproductions because some are a little bit chunky like some canteen covers a little bit (laughs) repro-y you know this is just from my living history days you'd always tell this is this is canteen cover carrying this now canteen canteen cover Yeah. yeah um oh god i didn't even mention you know what i hate about that bit where they put um adam beach into the japanese uniform yes he has perfect putties
1: yeah, that seems highly unlikely.
0: So who, who in who, what USMC Corman is going to now do a
1: party? They yeah, wear gaiters. Yeah, they haven't worn parties
0: since the first. time. should world have been. War. He should
1: have been running with them, like trailing behind. Yeah, him. I
0: thought that's what they were going to do. <laughs> I thought they were going to make it look him look like he hadn't put it on properly. Mm-hmm. So, it, it was too perfect.
1: Anyway, moving off that. that. The Japanese dead body was also much thinner than beaches <laughs> yeah, too. Oh, but, definitely, yeah, 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 yeah. But
0: whatever, I'm trying to say a good thing about the uniform and i've picked up something bad so i found from that um the book that i've referenced quite a lot um it said the authentic uh, marine and japanese wardrobes helped to create the sense of realism on scent set working months in advance from historical resource material con- costume supervisor nick scarano had 1300 marine and 1000 japanese uniforms manufactured from specifically selected fabrics in keeping with Wu's commitment to authenticity Sakurano so worked diligently with a crew of textile artists to distress costumes to look like they'd endured the worst of battle. In doing research, Scarano learned that the uniforms of the, of the marines in World War II were mismatched, um, and he quote, quotes him: "They were the last soldiers to get uniforms," he said. So they ended up with a mismatch of ill-fitting camouflage and green fatigues. But Cage wears this lovely um, pattern, nineteen forty. US Marine Corps camouflage jacket that's been heavily worn and he looks really good in that um, Yeah, it's really nice and you get guys wearing some guys are wearing HBTs some guys are wearing the camouflage uniforms some guys mm. I think are wearing the newer late war HBTs as well with the okay. pockets over the US Marine Corps style jacket I think right. I'm not sure if that's entirely right I'm not too clued up on my Pacific uh, US stuff. I know just enough. Mm-hmm. But it's nice. You know, most of it's good. Everyone's got what I can tell the right webbing on. And especially, really like the little detail of the drum mag pouch. I think that was really nice. Um, and even down to, and I know this from experience, you've got a 20 round mag pouch uh, for your M1928 Thompson. But you've got thirty rounders sticking out because it doesn't fit. Yeah, right? he had the he had the flaps folded, didn't he? Yeah. Mean... and then after a big firefight, Cage would run into scene and he have like one mag left. So that's a nice little inclusion. So even though you yeah, might not and he see reloads Cage, a couple of times. Too. He does reload a few times, yeah. But even though you don't see it, guys have got it and guys are running around with flaps going up and down. It, it's not just yeah. lads with belts on. You never see him touch them and all that. It, 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 it looks good, and yeah. then I like. The fact you've got Sherman's, Hargo's, Stuart tanks, Jeeps, Mm. Deuce and a half's, the right artillery for the Americans, the right artillery for the Japanese. A lot of thought's been put in. But then here's where it annoys me. All the effort you've put into the authenticity is all for nothing in a way because the movie just doesn't work. We always say you can forgive all this kit. You can forgive all the weapons. You can forgive it all being wrong if the plot and the movie itself is good. And that's what we keep coming back to
1: is that even though you've chucked all this in it still doesn't help the movie final shout out to uh charlie's big hunting knife the big horn handle that's really nice yeah um which gets some use and cage has a um it is and cage has got a uh model 1917 trench knife at the beginning has he yeah so there's a japanese soldier comes out of the uh the bamboo yes Bayonets someone he he pulls it from like a a a vertical scabbard yeah sheath yeah takes it out and just stabs the guy in the chest oh isn't it the one with the knuckle dusters and he punches him
0: oh i thought he had knuckle dusters i didn't realize it was a
1: knife Ah, okay yeah he stabs him he sort of like does an awkward stab oh okay but it's a a, a 1917 trench that's a nice little touch oh and there's a um, m19 um sorry m1897 um trench shotgun as well
0: of course stromain uses it doesn't he
1: yeah yeah stromair sorry keep calling him stromain
0: stromair <laughs> yeah. uh but he doesn't use it which is a no, shame he doesn't he keeps cocking it and losing yeah. loses a shell every time he does because it looks cool because they have to do that in action films
1: oh tick off that trope that's, that's, a, a, that's a, trope. a big one that one's one got a shotgun and they have to constantly yeah. rack
0: it every time you see them
1: yeah they can't it's it's like um uh um, occam's races, occam's shotgun <laughs> yeah. it's it's like schrodinger's cat it's like has he really got a shotgun if he's not cocking it Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very Western
0: Mm. vibes. But moving into favorite scenes, (laughs) I use that word liberally
1: this week. Hello there. Sorry to interrupt. I wanted to let you know that you can now join our supporting cast over on Patreon. As thanks for your support, you'll be able to help us pick films, submit questions for guests, have first pick on brand new and exclusive merch, and much more. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So Rob, what's your favorite scene? I alluded to it in um
0: in the Ali Tally there. I really like the five minutes and 19 second sequence that you get <laughs> on the Solomon Islands in the first <laughs> 15 minutes of this movie. Um okay. I, I think that sums up <laughs> my thoughts. I and mean, if you didn't already realize it, I don't really enjoy this one. So that sequence is really strong. It starts off, it's claustrophobic, it's moody. The first shot you get is of a red blood river and a dead American body comes into shot. And then you yeah. can see some brush and Cage walks into shot and gives a burst into that brush and a Japanese body falls out of it. Yes. That is really striking. Every time I see that sequence, I still can't make out that Japanese soldier. I think it's such a great opener. Um, and you don't know where you are at this point. You don't know who Cage is. It's a really great introduction to the character and the Pacific theater. Um. And as I say, it's a more claustrophobic depiction of the war. It's far more brutal. A chap's hand gets cut clean off um, by a a, a Japanese uh, soldier with a katana. Guys get bayoneted. People are firing off rounds, getting shot. You know, it's really frenetic close-quarter combat. Yeah, well shot. It's really well shot. It's really tight. Even the explosions, they add something because everything's so claustrophobic. You think, God, one of these explosions could kill everybody. Um, yeah, and one I, of those
1: explosions could kill everybody. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> and that's what I hope the film would do. I hope it would be this gritty, really down-to-earth depiction of warfare, like the Solomon Islands episode of the Pacific that does the exact same thing. It really yeah. feels like that. But then... The film degenerates into the stormtrooper esque one by one coming down the hill way the Japanese attack every other time.
1: Whereas in this sequence, drink every all... time some Japanese soldiers get shot by Nicolas Cage as they come over one like the one. crest of a hill.
0: Yeah, one by one, and it's it, it, they don't do that in this sequence. They, you know, they're all coming at once. Guys are getting you know downed left, right, and center like bayonets through them, shots through them. It's it's brutal. Yeah. But and then you get Anders character set up as this no nonsense doesn't deviate from the plan sergeant you know he says look they told us to hold the position that's what we're going to do all yeah. his guys gets wiped out he takes a grenade to the ear you've set up a character yeah yeah he's a one track war war machine that's what he does great introduction to the character the rest of the film isn't like that and it just really upset me because i know saipan's a different type of battle but for a for a five minute sequence, I think it shows the Pacific better than than the rest of yeah. it, and it's the yeah. only time in the movie that a frag grenade doesn't go off like an atom bomb, because the guy throws his last grenade out, and it goes off like yeah. a little explosion. A Couple it of does, guys fall yeah. over, yeah. and that's so much better. It,
1: the explosions are much yeah. more um, subdued, understated.
0: Yeah, and that this Definitely. whole the stylization of what I thought
1: we was going to do
0: with it is this is the Solomon Island sequence for me. The rest of it, I can give or take, but th- that's so my favorite we, scene.
1: When we decided to do this film and Rob chose this, by the way, I had no, I, I didn't ask for this.
0: Throw um, me under the Amtrak. Why
1: don't you? <laughs> um, Which you don't see I, I was like, in this film. No. Um, I I was, I was fine with it. That sounded like a good idea. And I, we immediately, we both talked about that sequence Um, how, we enjoyed it when we watched it as, you know, kids, I guess. Um, and how it felt the most authentic part of the film. Um mm. but I'm, I'm watching it back, there's parts of it where I'm like, uh, someone does a commando role. And I i was immediately, oh, I've I had forgotten the commando role. Um yeah. but I completely agree. Um that, that Hand Grenades are a little bit more subdued. It feels more atmospheric, it feels more visceral, it feels more um restrained i would that's say almost that's
0: the word yeah it is restrained um,
1: than the later action sequences because it's like the, a war the... film doesn't feel like an action movie with world yes. War II overlay i agree that's not a bad scene that's one of the better scenes
0: and it's five minutes 19 seconds in a movie that is two hours and a bit long that's my inherent issue with this movie
1: we will get to that um i i we definitely will uh my favorite scene is the village set piece because it's wu doing what wu does fairly well it's choreographed it's close combat it's um the the number of explosions is reduced thank god um Mm. there's a it's a nice bit of urban fighting which plays out quite well um christian slater's given it is all there's a really nice little bit of choreographed um defense of whether defending like a buddhist little temple they're in like a, a stone sand garden pit yeah. using its cover. And Charlie Whitehorse and uh Ox Slayer's character are, are in there defending the area. Um when expecting the attack, there's lots of lots and lots of Japanese just running into a, a doorway where there's clearly a, you know an automatic weapon just mowing everyone down because mm-hmm. it shows like the gully outside of the thing and it's absolutely full of Ake dead of Japanese soldiers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're thinking, just go around. just go, <laughs> d- don't go through that door because yeah. that that door is death. Yeah. Don't do it, lads. Yeah. But they do it anyway. Um, Charlie gets killed by Nicolas Cage's hand grenade. Um, slow mo hand grenade flying through the air. God damn, there's a lot of slow mo in this film. Uh, um, it's
0: one of the most gratuitous parts. It's I'm just yeah. like for
1: God's sake. Yeah. You know. Um, Cage never misses with his nineteen. Never misses either. No,
0: until he does, because it's needed to then move the plot along.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you his know. Voice gun's empty. And he, oh no, mm. I've run out of ammunition. It's not like there's seven hundred Arasakas lying around. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And that's all the problem. people that Christian Slater has mown down with his Thompson. Mm-hmm. At least Slater goes out trying to protect
0: Whitehorse, like in a yeah, really. Yeah noble way it's more than yeah.
1: cage does and even kate they try to give cages heroic aid it's super nuanced in that yeah, moment they look is. at each other and and slater reveals that he's been ordered to kill charlie whitehorse yeah. if he thinks he's going to fall into japanese hands which he's about to because they're both incapacitated sure but he, they have this moment where cage sorry where Slate, slater's character realizes he doesn't want to do it no or he can't do it because they've jammed and yeah. they've Slate plays harmonica and Whitehorse plays um, a flute, mm-hmm. uh, an Indian flute, um, and they they jam it out earlier in the film, which is a nice little scene. Although they're both miming those instruments, um, they are. But it's nice. They are. But it's nice. Um, and again, I prefer Slater's character in this. To I do. I do. Um, yeah. And in that Just. moment, in in that scene where he decides not to shoot him and to carry on fighting, it's meaningful. Mm. Um, and then Slater gets his head cut off. And you feel like they're fighting for each other which is, as well. I just feel like the, the head getting decapitated and then shown is totally unnecessary. You don't need to. You don't need to. We know it. You could have had Slater, like, horrendously bayoneted. Something like that, yeah. You don't need to emphasise the fact, oh, Japanese officers carry katanas. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. We know that. But I don't think they. I don't think he would have used it in that moment. Um, and it, it's just so they could blow like half the FX budget on showing Christian Slater's like head in the sand. Head. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then pan to it in that sort of horror movie way.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it the just style of work. it's odd. It's unnecessary. It's, yeah,
0: it takes and out the emotional
1: is, weight because it's all exactly. it's almost like parody. You know. Well, this is it. This is what I was going to say. It's another element that shows that Wu can't do nuance. He can't do subtlety. Or doesn't want to try. Or doesn't want to try. Yeah. Yeah. Or isn't intending to
0: try. No, that yeah. It could be any one of those things. That's the problem.
1: And it just isn't the case. Um, So it's a favorite scene, but it's a very flawed scene. Um, Mm. I just like the, the, the choreographing of that. And it's something that Wu does really well. Shows a lot of uh, different angles and men moving through and, and, it's a short scene, but a lot is seen in it, and you can mm. tell a lot of effort has been put into it to get things right and get people in the right spots at the right time. And I think Charlie goes out like a like a don with He's you know he's there with his hunting knife, yeah, hitting the Achilles tendons and the and the he backs gets, of he gets Some legs. good action, doesn't he? And
0: he's the character you <laughs> least Japanese
1: soldiers at the, the yeah. front centre.
0: And because he's the character you least expect it from, it's it means mm. more because he was more reserved. He was more wasn't as didn't seem as as excited to be a part of all this as beach's character was so yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it is more i think white horse potentially
1: should have been the lead i would agree i don't think beach carries it as well as white no. horse And beach is good does. but his character isn't as strong yeah you know because i do think i, think, I he, think a lot of the problems of how it's written
0: yeah that, that, I'm, not that i'll come back to even that in enough. life
1: Final and the way it flips at the end, where he becomes the bloodthirsty, wants to avenge. He's that doing trope. what Cage did at oh, the beginning Christ. of the film, and it's a massive yeah. trope. He's trying to stab Cage at one point, and he's like hammering yeah. his flat of his palm into a bayonet. Yeah, palmal to try and stab Cage, where Cage is like, no, can you not? Yeah, um, it's almost like it, you it, know, snap out of it. Cage on is like, now. it's not going to bring your friends back. Yeah. And like his babysitter. Just, it's just. Ugh. I just don't. It just doesn't feel mm. the emotional weight that it's supposed
0: to have. No, it doesn't. And at least I mean. with Slater, you felt like Slater was treating Whitehorse like a human being. I feel like Cage yeah. is treating um, uh, Yazi like he's some sort of rowdy teenager who needs babysitting. Mm. It's a weird way
1: of doing it. it well, and that's some- where the nuance of Cage's character doesn't work with no. what he's supposed to be doing. Because he's just this one-track soldier. It's not...
0: There's nothing there. It's skin deep. Yeah. It's it's irritating. Yeah. So maybe we should go on to Final Thoughts and get some of these gripes out in the open. So... I'll start us off and I'm going to
1: reference my book, the book again that we've pulled from. Did you st- love it? Is that, is that what you're going to say? Uh, no. I thought, you really <laughs> enjoyed this film and you thought it was really well worth watching. You're really pleased that you chose this, for us to do it this week. I would love to imagine I was, I, I'd i be clever enough
0: to then sweep people under the rug and do that, but I'm not <laughs> fair listeners. So I've I come again to that, that book that I've been mentioning a lot, the the, the making of book. So in that book, it goes into a lot of detail about the Navajo Code, the men, the way they went to war. Yeah. It it has the whole dictionary that was written out you know, and translated into English. It's fantastic. Oh, wow. That's cool. I'm sitting there reading that and I'm thinking everything in here is not in your movie, for one, <laughs> right? Which really knocked me because you've taken a lot of effort, clearly, to produce this making-of book, which yes. goes into great length about a lot of things. And it feels like there were a lot of scenes that weren't even attempted to be written about the Navajo, giving them any sort of um, wants, hopes, and dreams that isn't just
1: your cliche, what are you going to do after the war,
0: everyone? Oh, you know, oh hang on, hang
1: have got I've got what Ox wanted to do. Um, I have the exact quote of what he said, which is so incredibly weird. Who fucking He's, wrote that? He says, well, we I'm going to take my dad's strawberries and mix them with a Swedish concoction called yoghurt god willing america will develop a taste for it such weird so he wants to make molar corners basically. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: um and Ch- even charlie looks onken. confused in that scene charlie's like what ox <laughs> wants to do onken. it's <laughs> yeah. like what the fuck he wants to do strawberry and, and yogurt basically. it's so clunky and odd and it's like you that's know. such an odd thing to include like why would you choose that and that anyway yeah. sorry no, no, it's I fine. just had that written down because no, no, it's no, so ludicrous. It's good to mention
0: it because it mentions how clunky that script gets at times. So, in any time that I felt like we might have got anything uh, deep and impactful about the Navajo, we don't get it. It starts and it ends in about five mm. words or less every time. You know, they play off Beach trying to do a, like a ritual around Nick Cage to help him with his cigarette, yeah. they play that off as if. He's weird and they make Nick stop him. So I'm like, yeah. what are you trying to do? Are you trying to show these men as you're trying to be respectful to their way of life or are you not? Because this movie can't work out what it wants to show you about them.
1: Yeah.
0: And the f- problem with it, I, one of my bigger issues with it is the Navajo story just feels like an excuse for MGM to get a little piece of that mini war movie glut that we got after Saving Private mm, Ryan. Mm. They want to cash in on it. And then, because this movie flops, I think this starts the downward trend of these movies. So Probably you don't get many yeah. after. By about two thousand four, yeah. two thousand five, was on the wane in dumb. Western cinema. It's
1: yeah. Um.
0: And then the clunky script—I have to come back to it—doesn't help any of the characters. Very one-track. They're not played for prestige. They're not played for almost like parody. You're not. You're not showing it up to be wrong. You're not showing it up to be weird. Um. You know, you've got Anders, the war grizzle sergeant that we've seen a billion times, doesn't deviate from it. There's nothing, it's all yeah. skin deep, I'll say it again.
1: It's very, it is John Wayne. It's, John, it's John Wayne, wayne. Like, John wayne It's Wayne-esque. literally, yeah. it's, it's so Sans of It's. Un, it is, it's un, yeah. You know, it's untrue.
0: You've got the charming, and likeable Navajo that just smile and wave, it would seem. They've got nothing more. Mm. They don't get anything more to do. And in the scenes where they do add some weight, it's the actors doing it, it's not the words. They're really putting their all into it. White Horse in particular. um, Roger Willey is a a triumph for this movie. I wanted more of him. Um, And Mm. there's not even cut scenes that I could find with them in that wouldn't give them anything else, which is really fucking annoying. Um, We've seen all these cliches done to death. And then the cliches that you do get are just so... fucking annoying and, and you've seen them so you get the whole thing of at the end nicholas cage goes no one else is going to die here guess what he's the next guy that dies um a marine asks his friend to look after his wedding ring if he gets oh. killed oh guess what next yeah. scene he's dead you know i'm nearly out of ammo trope yet goes on to fire an entire belt's worth of ammunition <laughs> cages meltdown going i can't do my job but uh, uh, uh.
1: just so clunky and needless his first his first conversation with ben Yazi is appallingly tropey as well. Yep. Oh, and also, fun fact, the baby carrots in uh, Cage's mess tray didn't exist until the 1980s.
0: I was wondering if you were going to say that.
1: They were going to be diced. They should have been diced. Oh. Ah, really well. Was the baby carrots not a thing in the 40s then? Just not until late, in, late in, the, uh, in the 80s, yeah. Apparently. Okay. So, that and that's... Sorry, that was an IMDB. No, that's fine. Um, it, that's uh, fine quite, it's but... a good little tidbit
0: but it's cringeworthy <laughs> and it's not the actor's fault yes they can only work with the lines they've been given but it doesn't help anybody it doesn't help your film and i think my biggest thing of all that oh and there's a minefield
1: sorry. trope rob there's a minefield there cool is course cool there is and adam beach but just walks straight Ruffalo through it looks to the camera and goes we've walked into a minefield and i'm like oh my god no mark Jesus, yeah. Well, he has the
0: tropes of being, after they all get massacred in the town, he goes, we're meant to be in a secure area, man. Like it's oh, a Vietnam yeah. film. And I'm I like, know. oh my like, God, this, is, this isn't way, Mark. This no, isn't way.
1: exactly,
0: yeah. Sorry, I, I, I will stop ranting in a minute. No, no. It feels like an episode of History Rage, folks.
1: <laughs> yeah, give me time to rant too.
0: <laughs> so my biggest problem is, with the ending, again, you could have all made this a lot more impactful at the end, rather than... Um, Yazzie being on the the rock with his son, telling him about CGI Anders.
1: backdrop rock, yeah. CGI
0: backdrop rock, which isn't it's... bad. You know, he's honouring his brother in arms and all that. It's okay, right? Yeah. When I was little, it used to make me really upset. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll no, it's admit. It, Yeah, it's not but bad. To... Now I find it a little bit cringe because the movie's pushed back a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's meant to come out in November two thousand and one. In right. July of 2001, 26th of July, there's a silver Congressional Medal uh, awarded to all Navajo code talkers at a ceremony in Washington, D.C. Okay? Right. Okay. Pivotal, right? right? Yeah. All these men recognised by the government for their mm. outstanding contribution um, in the Second World War. Why the fuck is that not at the end of your film? I you know, right? have an right? extra year of production... Yeah. If, if it was filmed, you it would probably cost you not a lot to buy the rights to show it,
1: yeah. It's just recreate
0: it, um, it would have been know, public domain. Public age him, beach up, have him receive or get his medal through the post or something because they did post them, you know. Have him receive his medal, it would be wait for, it would be impactful at the end. You could have mm. said more, They they don't even have much white text at the end telling you about more about
1: them. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> let me such... let me talk about the white text for a minute, Rob. It's so disappointing. So the white text at the end emphasises the importance of the Navajo uh, Marines and their code and all they did. And who do they overlay that white text with, explain the significance of the Navajo role? It's Nick Cage doing a slow-mo run down a beach.
0: Is that what that is?
1: Yes. Oh, fuck it out. It's literally the scene where he goes... There's for some reason there's a scene where he jogs down a beach past some other marines.
0: Oh my and god! And it's I didn't that
1: even piece of footage that is at the back. They could they could have literally taken some footage from that congressional um, ceremony of where the the unit is given their citation and put it over that. Yeah, but they didn't. The fact they Nick don't Cage use running. Running. their extra nothing what, to do with Navajo's. It's Nick Cage yeah. and that is the entire problem with this film. It's focused on the wrong person. It thinks it's a Nick Cage film. where it shouldn't, it's not a Nick Cage movie.
0: No. You know, just because you've done big budget movies with John Travolta, Slater, Cage, doesn't mean then your movie about Code Talkers has to have all these guys in it. Yes, it might be the studio yeah. going, Well, you can't possibly think that we're gonna have a film with Adam Beach and Roger Willie in it. We can't possibly think they're gonna be leads. Take a fucking
1: risk, MGM take a bloody risk tell the story yeah exactly tell the story they don't that it's basic it it really is yeah so i mean for me um i as i mentioned i liked the brief parts where uh, the navajo are being trained and it introduces the context of what they're actually supposed to be doing as the wind talkers you know Mm -hmm. um but then we get all this absolute rubbish with Cage and he's got his inner ear imbalance, balance and he, he's struggling to walk. And there's and, a bit where, I know, it's and, unnecessary. It's 20 minutes of the film, Rob, that yeah. you don't get back. And it it's summed up by a line that the nurse says to him. It says, you can't go back to war if you can't stand up. Yep. Oh, okay. So we're going to overcome some adversity, are we, Nick Cage? Yeah. In a film about Navajo code, code talkers. talkers, yeah.
0: We're
1: gonna we're gonna have Nick Cage overcoming some adversity. Okay. So she writes letters to him and he never replies and he just like leaves them on the battlefield and they blow away and all this kind of. It's supposed to be somehow meaningful. It's an absolute bastard to her, really. Yeah. Um. And my favorite part of one of the letters is. She's writing to him and it's her reading it out over in a voiceover as he's looking angry on a truck. She literally tells him that she's taken in, cleaned and nursed a stray dog and that it reminds her of him. That that is, that is a lot of shade to throw on someone. And I loved it. That's the best part of her role in the film where she likens Nick Cage's character.
0: They even show more care to a bloody letter. Um, that sent to Cage than they do the Navajo wind talkers. Because on the letter, they stamp the buy war bonds thing on it. <laughs> so it means someone took inherently more care to think what a letter to a troop would have looked like in 1944 or a letter to a corpsman in 1944 would have looked like, yeah. rather than adding in the bloody plot of a film. <laughs> you know, like, oh my God, it hurts your brain.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It hurts your brain. There's so much that could be cut out of this film just to make it more watchable. We don't need to see Nicolas Cage running down a beach in slow mo. We don't need slow mo birds flying by. We don't We don't, know, we we don't, don't need, need slow mo flashbacks every time he hears something that sounds remotely unusual. Like he looks at a desk fan and he has a flashback. It's bizarre. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does. Don't oh need... God, I forgot. Yeah, that. he does. Yeah, yeah. And that's an anachronistic yeah. desk fan as well. It wouldn't have had a mesh cage. That didn't come into existence. Like watch with Matthew Moss. but bum. we it, Karen. Slow mo shot with it, take like he takes like a Bacardi shot with the nurse and it's in slow mo. And you're like, What the, why why? the fuck is this in slow mo? What is that adding? Yeah, what is this scene adding? None of her parts need needs to be in this, really. There's no need for her to be in this other than that. She's in the trailer. Um, slow mo people getting shot. I don't need to see Japanese troops getting shot in slow mo more than twice over wax. and over and over. Yeah, if I if I had a pound for every time Nick Cage fires a Thompson from the hip. Mm. and kills two maybe yeah. three japanese soldiers on a little hillock in slow-mo i'm fucking rich i'm a mm-hmm. rich man mm-hmm. i've got i've got more i've made more than the budget of the film made at the box office i mean it's it's incredible his first talk with ben so tropey ben's awkward as fuck spills his coffee into cage's meal mm. in like what and then they also have him like with a salt shaker and that's supposed to like suggest that he's like a grizzled, knowledgeable veteran. And that's weird. Me's on set. That's just weird. Like that is a weird inclusion.
0: He doesn't even make um, anything of it. He could have, he could have said to himself, Oh, you know, salt's really important in your diet, blah, 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 what, or whatever. They don't even
1: explain it. It's meant, it's a bit of yeah, characterization. Cause you're going to be sweating. We're doing training. We're it doing be fighting in like the that. jungle. It could be. Know. Yeah. I, okay i liked the large scale of the battle sequences and i thought they were good i thought they looked pretty decent yeah the first battle the last battle where they're getting shelled not so much the last battle where they go through like they push through um what looks like an already burnt out area mm-hmm. and they get killed i Everyone feel like they killed. could have sent a runner to stop those artilleries. They are, those artillery i feel like quicker. i feel like ken shouldn't have dropped his radio and gone off uh, like a one-man army yeah. shooting everyone with his m1 yeah. carbine um, it, it annoys me a lot of this movie annoys me infantry tactics displayed in this film feel really really off the japanese for all their you know the inc- incompetencies later in the war and the reliance on banzai charges mm. they didn't just ones and twos over a hillock for nick cage to shoot them
0: you've seen everything this film has to offer in the first
1: 30 minutes that's the problem with this film it doesn't go anywhere there's an admirable amount of that that battle action but then it becomes too much mm. and if we wants to do a subtle moment compared to everything that's gone on before it and around it it just falls flat it yeah. just doesn't work. It feels funny. And the They're cast trying to... has got such a clunky script to work with. It doesn't yeah. really work.
0: They're trying to hit the a racist character.
1: Sorry. Speaking of clunky scripts, the racist character is racist when he wants to be, and then chummy when he doesn't. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It's not enough to, for it to be
0: a problem because, first of all, you know he takes the make out a white horse, white horse's name by neighing in the briefing. and Everyone thinks it's funny. Yeah. You know, Mm. he sort of jibes them when they're playing poker, but it's not out-and-out racism. No. He doesn't become an out-and-out, nasty, horrible racist until he sees Adam Beach have a bath. Yeah. And he picks a fight with him for completely no reason. And then he's talking about Custer and he's talking about all these other things. And then he has the bullshit change of heart. And I'm like, really, do we need this? We we know it would have happened. We know it would have, these men would have faced this. But there's a, and cage puts him in a sleeper hold yeah but there's a much better bad? way there's a much better way of, of doing it it's dealt with better
1: and go for broke oh god this yeah, sort yeah of it's, it's it was done better integration and he shouldn't have let that go on he shouldn't have let the man mm. he's supposed to be protecting the battalion asset yeah. get the shit kicked out of him and he should know that They'd just to see if he'd fight back this.
0: i know there were american army guys who captured navajo guys because they thought they were japanese that did happen okay but like it, not all the time <laughs> you know this whole trope oh i thought he was japanese that's just like a, a, a nasty jibe for me yeah and, and I these agree. sequences would have been much better served being cut out rewritten or adding something in about the fucking navajo like that's the big issue with this movie and yeah I can't think it. I, it's twofold for me this week. And I've got I've written a little out my final, final thoughts, really. Well, before filming. we go into that, let me so, just mention a couple of other things that I have on my big list. We're final thoughts trumping this week, aren't we? We are. I didn't like it because of that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How does Nicholas Cage know Japanese out of nowhere? Or hoda No, he he also speaks to a, um, a lady in a shack. In Japanese, gives oh, yeah, some painkillers. Yeah. yeah, in, in fl- almost fluent Japanese. Um, I mean, was there like a there's no basic to Japanese that course? I don't know. Maybe, but there's no context to it. He's a, also
0: he's a veteran of the Solomon Island campaign. Maybe he picked up. He's picked it up. That's what I assumed.
1: Mm, to maybe. talk,
0: maybe to shout stuff at Japanese troops while they're attacking him. I've
1: got painkillers. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> He's not learning the Japanese that way, is it? Anyway, another thing that really annoyed me was the highest rank that you see throughout this whole film while they're on operations is a gunnery sergeant, and you've got Nicholas, Hale, who is <laughs> yeah. a sergeant, who is calling in barrages, naval gunfire support, and air support down onto positions. There's no there's no lieutenants, there's no captains, there's no majors on the battlefield. The closest we get That's to that is some colonel mind. in in like in like dress whites arrives oh my and goes. God, I didn't even realize hey that. Nick Cage, you've been you've been recommended for a medal, a commendation. And it's not like it's not like a purple heart, like because he's been blown around a bit. It's not a bronze star. He pulls out a silver star, which is America's third highest decoration, it's third highest decoration for Valorob. And he just pins it on him and he goes, Keep it up, soldier, and then walks off. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Jingoistic bollocks, isn't it? It would never happen like that. No, I know. Never happen like that. It's like it's annoying. But but it it, it's insane to me that you've got these Navajo code talkers who would be paired at like platoon and company and battalion level Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. relay orders. And 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 that's another
0: problem. There should be a hell of a lot more Navajo guys.
1: You've got two code talkers in one There's a deleted
0: scene where you see one on a ship relay yes, one of no, the messages he, there is one bit where he is in the film as well right okay because he's shown twice where the japanese yeah. are shown to be like oh these guys sound like they're underwater like what are they talking about <laughs>
1: yeah, japanese doing yeah. this deleted scene no that's in the movie rob that's in, the, it movie. Movie? I no, in the, the movie Oh, that's in the scene
0: sorry no it's in the sorry. movie
1: are these guys speaking english it's it sounds like they're underwater i'm glad the guy on the boat was shown yeah but they show the ship the boats and that's nice stock footage Colorized. It is. It's the wrong ships, but it's nice. But shouldn't there
0: be a hell of a lot more Navajo then in your movie? You're saying all these Marines, about 500 of the fuckers on screen, and there's two Mm. Navajo radio guys. Come on. You show loads of Navajo chaps in that briefing scene where they're trying to decipher the words and make them match and all that. Yep. Where the fuck are they?
1: You know. I'm just not over Nick Cage getting a silver star in the field. I know, right?
0: Oh, and he gives it to Mark Ruffalo to give to his the dead guy's
1: wife it's bizarre and he refers to a cut scene where he got another silver star. oh yeah <laughs> so when he's when he's pissed he on threw rice it wine, in the ocean he threw it in the ocean and apparently that's a cut scene rob that that was filmed. i couldn't find it it's not yeah, on the dvd there are no deleted scenes on that it DVD. was apparent it was apparently filmed and it shows him throwing it overboard um Ugh. or into the sea. so and also okay
0: so by that time Um, Surely a double Silver Star winning uh, US Marine Corps sergeant would have been promoted or pulled out and put on training and then done subsequent uh, war bonds tours
1: at that time in the war, surely. Well, you would think so, wouldn't you? And his gunnery sergeant probably wouldn't have told him where to go if he'd asked for a transfer. No. (laughs) You shouldn't (laughs) actually be asking the gunnery sergeant for a transfer.
0: Oh, and they get the really clunky line of him going, this is a war being waged throughout the entire world. You mean a world war, Peter? (laughs) (laughs) Like, so clunky and annoying. Oh,
1: there's some real fucking clunky lines (sighs) in this film. You could whack lyrical all night, I think, about this one. Okay, I think everyone gets the... Gets, the, gets the idea of how so, we um, feel about the
0: film. I've got to round this out, if you, if I may, Matt. So a film I slash we used to really enjoy when we were younger. Another childhood favourite ruined. <laughs> Finding a film ruining your childhood memories. Um, <laughs> but if you cut through the scale and pomp of it all, you're left with very little substance. A real shame, as you can see what the film could be in glimpses here and there, but it devolves into an overblown action film with a World War II coat of paint. Very little nuance at all. I'd recommend it in a sense as to watch this to see what can happen when a perfect storm of a huge budget, a profit chasing studio can do when it's jump when it's jumping for trends. But the Navajo Code Talkers deserve so much more here. And there are some fabulous documentaries and books
1: out there about their wartime experience if you want to actually learn what they did. Completely agree. Wrong director, wrong leading man. Completely missed the story.
0: Yep. And I agree with Roger Ebert, what he said all the way in the production notes of, this needed to be a smaller, more character-driven film. So that was Wind Talkers 2002. Did we Did we hate it, everyone? <laughs> 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 everyone out there what did you guys think we'd love to hear your thoughts so uh, when this one goes live please hear us up on twitter we'd love to um, we'd love to talk more about it so stay tuned for peter caddick adams uh, bridget ramargan stay tuned for pork chop hill coming up thanks for listening again everybody
1: thanks for listening everyone don't forget to follow us on twitter facebook instagram leave us a review uh, if you listen on apple pods or whatever platform you're listening on and of course check out our website fightingonfilm.com for our full list of films we've already covered and more information about the show so again thanks for listening
0: thanks everyone bye
1: bye